four times in the Gospel of Mark. Mark begins to tell us a story, and right in the middle of the story, he starts to tell another story. You may know someone like that. You may be someone like that. I know I am. But I think life is a little bit like that. We set out with one set of expectations, and we get sidetracked by another set of circumstances. And this story is no different. Today's story is about two people who have absolutely nothing in common. The first, Jairus, was a well-regarded religious ruler in the synagogue. He was powerful and prosperous. And the other is a woman, so seemingly unimportant that we don't even know her name. A woman forced to the margins by the health issues that plague her. But the two have one important thing in common. They both find themselves in a life they didn't want or expect. They are coming face to face with life's difficulties and how fragile it is. And they are desperate to change it, to find healing and wholeness amidst their fractured world. Our scripture today is from Mark 5, 22 through 43. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and pleaded with him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from a flow of blood for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his cloak, I will be made well. Immediately, her flow of blood stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my cloak? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say, who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the synagogue leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the synagogue leader, do not be afraid, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the synagogue leader's house, 
he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Let us pray. Healing God, as we gather as your people this day, as we ponder our own humanity with all its foibles and your amazing grace and what it might mean for us, quiet our hearts and minds and open them to the good news we need to hear. Startle us once again with your word through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So Lent is a time when we remember just how fragile we are. We gathered here just a week and a half ago to have ashes smudged on our foreheads, which is meant to remind us that from dust we came and to dust we shall ultimately return. When I was younger, I needed that reminder. But the older I get, not so much. The older I get, the more this, we, I experience this thing called life, the more I know that pain, suffering, the grief of loss and death are an inescapable part of our shared experience of being human. The global pandemic has taught us that life can fall apart in the blink of an eye. But many of us didn't need COVID-19 to teach us that. Kate Bowler, who wrote the best-selling book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. It's a great book title, by the way. She was a successful historian at Duke Divinity School. She was 35 years old, and she was doing exactly what she loved. She was about to write a book, and she was enjoying being a wife and mother to her young son. One moment, she was at the top of her game, giving a lecture, living the dream. And the next, she was receiving the heartbreaking diagnosis that she had stage four aggressive colon cancer. She says she quickly realized that life is as fragile as a soap bubble. No matter how hard we work to control it, life happens to all of us. No matter how hard we try to do all the right things and follow all the rules, no matter how many lists we make to map out our future, life happens. 
It turns out coming to terms with our own mortality and fragility is not for the faint of heart. For Kate's part, and thankfully she is still with us despite being terminal, terminal, as we all are eventually, she writes that her first Lent after her diagnosis, when she was in the thick of her treatment and her mortality was staring her in the face, she decided that Lent, she was not going to give something up for Lent. Anybody here give something up for Lent? No. Oh, Seth did. (laughs) Ask Seth about that later. Uh, Instead of giving something up for Lent, she would add something to her repertoire. She decided that instead of giving something up, she would take up cursing. She swore at cancer. She swore at bad croissants and bad coffee. She cursed the side effects of her chemotherapy. She tells about the time she even cursed with her mother-in-law halfway through a conversation where her mother-in-law had been complaining about her wrinkles and her droopy parts. And Kate just looked at her and said, I think aging is a bleeping privilege. And her mother-in-law looked back at her. And after a moment of silence, she burst out laughing and leaned across and said, yes, 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 it is a privilege. And she leaned across the table and gave Kate a hug. She concludes, Kate concludes, that sometimes people in deep grief swear because they begin to feel that the English language has reached its limit in a time of inarticulate sorrow. We are fragile. Fragile as a soap bubble. In our gospel story today, Jairus, the powerful and esteemed head of the synagogue, has just come to realize this. The life that he worked so hard for, the one that he had planned, has, well, come undone. His precious daughter, the apple of her daddy's eye, is close to death. He's scared. In his desperation, Jairus comes to Jesus and he falls at his feet and he implores him to heal her. Jairus puts it all out there. He's falling apart. And Jesus, well, Jesus being Jesus, Jesus shows up. He goes with Jairus back, walking through the throngs of people to see uh, his daughter. And in the middle of this scene, the scene is interrupted by another person whose life has more slowly been coming undone. Her story is different than Jairus's, but her desperation for healing is exactly the same. She has been menstruating continuously for 12 years, 12 years. The same amount of years, by the way, that Jairus' daughter has been alive. She's been to doctor after doctor after doctor looking for a cure, and she was dealing not only with the physical costs of her illness, but with the social and religious costs as well. 
as a woman bleeding the purity laws in her culture deemed that she was unclean. And not only that, everyone she touched was unclean. Every person she touched, everything she touched, every chair she sat on was made unclean. Because of the prevailing religious and political mores, she would have been completely alone. She would have been cut off from her culture, isolated and outcast. She was unfit to be in polite company. She was desperate for wholeness. She was desperate for wholeness to be restored to her body and to her community, and to restore her to her community. And finally, she had nothing left to lose. She knows what she's going about to do will get her in a world of trouble. But in her desperation, she does it anyway. She touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And both of them felt it. Jesus turns around and asks, who touched me? And Jesus scans the crowd and sees the woman. I imagine he sees her in all her fragility and desperation. He sees the scars beneath her skin that she carries from the years of heartache. And I imagine gently and tenderly, Jesus says to her, daughter. My guess is that no one has called her daughter in a very long time. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be restored to your community. Now, meanwhile, Jairus, at this point, we know that Jesus is running late, too late. But Jairus also knows that Jesus has been made unclean. He has been touched by this unclean woman. And the law is clear, and Jairus knows it, that Jesus must stop what he's doing, take off all his clothes and bathe in the ritual waters and stay away from people until sundown. But then the message comes, the worst possible news They tell Jairus, your daughter is dead. When they arrive at the house, the mourners are already gathering. But Jesus whispers to Jairus, do not fear, only believe. But as he walks into the room and he looks at the faces of these two shattered parents and takes in the fragile state of this child, on the bed. He simply takes her by the hand, another violation of purity laws, by the way, and he says, Talitha kum. Mark preserves this in the original Aramaic that Jesus would have spoken. Talitha kum, meaning little one, get up. And so she did. In crossing the boundaries between who is in and who is out, who is clean and who is not, who is worthy and who is not, Jesus is saying that there is no 
human condition so bad, so fragile, that hope is absent. It is a miracle, but we have to be careful, I think, about miracles. I love what writer Barbara Brown Taylor says about miracles. She says, the problem with miracles is that it's hard to witness one without wanting one of your own. Everyone knows someone who could use a miracle, but miracles are hard to come by. Not everyone who prays for one gets one. And meanwhile, some get them without asking. But here's the thing. I think the real miracle here in this story is not just the physical healings, but it's just how God shows up when we have nothing left to lose, when we're desperate, when we are at our most fragile, when our world has shifted beneath our feet, when we learn that our rock-solid job was actually built on sand, when we are in a time of breakdown or breakup in our long-term relationship or friendship or marriage, when we lose someone we love or we receive the scary diagnosis that we fear, when our well-considered plans shatter like a soap bubble. Sometimes we pray and the miracle doesn't happen, but what does happen, what always happens, friends, is that God shows up. And that makes all the difference in the world. Taylor writes, did Jairus have faith? Well, Mark never said so in a story. But we know that he just followed Jesus home and watched that unclean holy man do his work. Either way, the high point was not then, but earlier when Jesus told him, do not fear, only believe, only trust. If Jairus was able to do that, then he would have survived whatever happened next, even if Jesus had walked into his daughter's room and merely gently closed her eyes with his fingertips and pulled the sheet over her head. Her father's belief his trust is the miracle at that point. His willingness to trust that no matter what, she, the daughter of his heart, was still, still in God's good hands, even if she may have slipped from his own. The miracle, friends, is that God has blessed our humanness in Jesus Christ. And God's love in Jesus Christ finds us wereever we are in all our fragileness and has blessed it and made it holy because God has experienced it too. There is nowhere we can go in this life that love does not go with us. There is no brokenness, no condition, no sickness, no Debilitation, no alienation, isolation, loneliness, or self-imposed guilt, no depression, no cursing at life that can prevent God 
from finding us and gathering us in and welcoming us to God's kingdom and to God's table and to our home. Thanks be to God. Amen.